Welcome to Pay to Play episode number 95. It's James Edzikowski and Frank Guy with you here at your one-stop shop for all things sports finance and more. And Frank, it is March. We are pumped with college hoops taking over the sports scene here. Uh, Selection Sunday was a couple days ago. It's now March the 14th. We're recording this one. Uh, Brackets out. We've done some analysis. We've, you know, everyone thinks they're a talking head that knows everything that's going on. Uh, You know, it's, it's, almost a contagious wave of energy uh, this first week. And and this year you get the the action starting on March 16th. And uh, of course the first four in Dayton, you know, tonight and tomorrow night. Uh, But if you're listening to this, hopefully you're getting it in before the action takes place Thursday, Uh, that noon tip off, always a treat uh, in the middle of the day on Thursday, Frank. Yeah, James, happy to be back on the podcast. It's been, it's been a few weeks since the Super Bowl, I believe. Uh, congrats oh, yeah. to the congrats to the Chiefs, but we're we're looking forward now. You know, we're not a backward looking podcast, and we have a great guest today to break down all of March Madness. John McCausland. Uh, we're going to be joined by him in just a minute, Zadge. But really excited to break it down. I mean, St. Patrick's Day is coming up too, the closest the Irish will ever get to Christmas. Uh, great holiday. That's that's a Michael Scott quote. Yeah, that's uh, great. Fantastic stuff. Uh, but yeah, yeah, James, how you doing? How you been? Doing well uh, and pumped to get into it with John. Uh, I know he was able to back in the day hook us up with some uh, a chance to, to catch the Buckeyes, and he's been with them now um, for I think seven years in the program. So he's got a wealth of experience of being around a team, whether it's as a student assistant, a grad assistant, or now I, his title is program assistant. But we'll dive into that with him uh, in just a moment. So I think without further ado, Frank, we we cut to the interview with him. Uh, and then we'll wrap it up after our interview with him and, and give some picks of our own uh, this March. Like I said, everyone's a talking head. They think they know what's going on. We we'll really know this. what's going on. We Yeah, we really do. Uh, <laughs> two guys always on top of it. And All then, right, of course, John knows what's going on. Too. John knows what's yeah. going on. He's, he's, he's been a part of Ohio State, who had an up and down year, obviously. But let's, let's, get, let's get into it with John. And now we are thrilled to be joined by John McCausland of Ohio State Hoops, uh, a friend of ours, a, a former competitor on the court way back in the day. Uh, and, John, you still you still play a little bit, I guess, with the managers these days for Ohio State when you guys travel on the road and all that. Is that correct? Yeah, when we bring four managers, I find myself as the fifth. So uh, so playing a little competitive basketball still, which is always fun. And then, uh, you know, nothing like competing against St. Bernadette's back in the day. But, uh, you know, still uh, still good to get up and down. John, it's great to see you, man. Uh, we were actually teammates back at St. Ed's as well, freshman year, uh, undefeated team. We can't forget that. Uh, obviously, got to plug ourselves there. But, John, just give us a bit more on your background and career and then kind of what your role was with Ohio State this past season. I know you've been with the team now. Has it been seven years? Yeah, yeah. this was my seventh season. So um, started off as a manager in undergrad, did four years um, throughout my undergrad time at OSU. I had two years under Coach Mata and then two years under Coach Holtman. Um, Right after graduation, went on and did an internship with the Browns and football operations back in Cleveland. And then uh, shortly after that, Browns experience came to a close in January. uh, Uncle COVID came in and hit the world. So um, that pretty much shut everything down and was lucky enough to to stay in touch with Ohio State staff and kind of get invited slash suggested. And it just, you know, they planted the seed of, hey, would you want to come to grad school? Um, you know, come be a GA, you know, not knowing when COVID would end. Uh, but then, you know, came back to Ohio State as a GA um, throughout that COVID bubble season, was hired part-time last year and then full-time this year. So 
it slowly progressed. Um, I do a little bit of everything. I, I'm the, the lowest man on the totem pole. I'm the, the analyst of the group as we, uh, we joke about <laughs> offline here, but, uh, but, I uh, get to do a little bit of everything from, from operations, you know, video stuff, logistics, um, learning about scheduling, just kind of the ins and outs of college basketball. Um, try to sit in on as many meetings as I can, uh, just keep my ear to, to the doors of our assistants and, and our staffers, our, uh, our director of basketball operations, who is my direct boss has been at Ohio state a really long time, like 25 years. So, um, he's an awesome resource for me. Um, and he empowers me big time. So I would love to take his job one day as the, the director <laughs> of basketball ops at Ohio state. He knows that we're, you know, we have a, a mutual understanding there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, obviously, uh, had a, had a tough season this year, but, you know, came to a, came to a close on a, on a good note in the big 10 tournament. I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll get to talking about that good stuff. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask about uh, what what your, maybe your long term goal is, but you basically just spilled it out that you know you'd like to like to become director of basketball ops at Ohio State itself. So that's that's good that you named that already. But yeah, you guys did have a good tournament run, Zach. You want to ask them about that? I know you were dialed in to the Buckeyes last week as as we you know kicked off March. Well, I was I was in with the highs, the lows, you name it on the season. I, I watched just about every game uh, during the regular season. You know, dating back to the Maui tournament when they started off against San Diego, San Diego state, and we'll dive into a couple of the tournament teams, uh, might be on some people's radar as they're filling out their brackets. But, um, of course, towards the end of the year, uh, the golf weather sort of improved in North Carolina. I found myself out on the links and the team team started winning some games. So I said, you know what, maybe I can't watch, maybe that's, maybe I got to scale it back a little bit for the benefit of the program and not to give myself any credit there, but a couple of those matchups, for instance, that, that, uh, defeat of Illinois, um, couple of those games where it seemed as though things really started to click and they always had the potential to you saw it early in the season things went well uh the big 10 tournament was definitely a a success i think you know you don't want to take uh moral victories uh, you know just moving to a semifinal. but at the same time winning three games in three days is no small feat uh in that conference so john i know you were in chicago and uh, obviously right right there up against it. Those are some good teams that you took on and uh, two of the three are, are going to be in the tournament itself. Uh, so, I mean, from your perspective, uh, what, what was it like to just be on a run like that, that, that you knew you were capable of kind of throughout the year uh, amidst the struggles? Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I mean, it's, it's good to always end on a high note. Um, not that, not that losing to, not that losing your last game is ever a high note, but um, you know, you lost to a good Purdue team, a number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament that, outright big 10 champs like that's you know that's the best team in your league this year and so um you know to put up a good showing against those guys was was good for our group um a young group and a group that hadn't played a lot of basketball together we had 10 new players um but but to your question on on chicago um you know really we we played tournament teams the whole tournament um us beating wisconsin in that first round probably took them out of the ncaa bubble watch um so you know call them a tournament team before our game um, of course, that Iowa team that, that we split with during the season um, is in the tournament. So you beat a tournament team. And then Michigan State, Tom Izzo, you know, 25 years straight in the NCAA tournament. That's a, an experienced dude when March comes around. So to, to beat those three teams, um, there's no cakewalk in the Big Ten anymore. Um, there's way less parity than there ever has been. Um, it's a balanced league. It's a physical league. So uh, really any game in the Big Ten that you're winning and competing in, um, you know, you feel good about. So it, it was awesome. Um, you know, good experience for our freshmen. We ended up starting four freshmen down the stretch. 
um, until until Bryce got hurt. So um, just you know, really good to to show that those guys can do it um, in our conference and and in a you know a league that sends eight guys or excuse me eight teams uh, to the big dance. So uh, it was cool to to knock some guys off and and you know they knew that they were playing this coming week and we knew that we probably weren't. Uh, but it was still a good feeling. You know, you, you want to um, always end on the right note. And um, just our, our guys were always together. They celebrated each other the whole time. So I think as a, as a staff member and, um, you know, kind of being in, in education in a way too and in athletics, that's um, always special. I, I guess I, this is just a random question. What What is the qualification, guys, of like getting into the NIT or getting invited to the NIT? Did Ohio State get invited or is it is it just like a – I don't even understand how the NIT selects. Yeah, I don't 100% know. Um, we had thought that you had to have a winning record to go. Um, oh, yeah. I guess maybe that's yeah. not true. We were just below 500. Um, in reality, and Coach Holtman talked about this publicly, um, we are, we're pretty banged up uh, when it came down to it. So playing four games in four days. Um, was, and was, was a lot. Yeah, everybody big knows. Toll. Yeah, ton, ton of games. And then, of course, losing Bryce um, didn't help either. So it wasn't that we were – you know, shying away from the MIT, but it was kind of like, hey, let's, you know, let, let's be smart here. And, and it was time to shut it down for a couple of our guys. So uh, whether we would have qualified had we pushed it, I'm not sure. Uh, but but obviously just, you know, it didn't end up happening. Yeah, well, you get to you get to watch, you know, the rest of March, at least with a lot of teams you saw this year. So, James, I know you want to maybe t- talk us into the tournament now, Zadge, and, and ask John some questions around the bracket. Hundred percent. But one one thing on that note. So I think uh, it used to be a qualification you had to be above five hundred. They've since dropped that, especially with a lot of teams declining. That I do know that they announced obviously the the actual selection Sunday bracket. The what everyone makes a big hoopla about. It's about six p.m. Eastern, and then the NIT bracket I think came out at ten p.m. at night. So for any of those fringe teams that I guess the NIT committee or whatever they have. I'm guessing that they wait until that announcement or they're probably in contact with the NCAA tournament committee to some extent. Again, I'm yeah. that's just, they have that four hour window where they can take <laughs> those French teams and send them an invite, something like that. Um, but little, you know, quick point here, because I, I do know North Carolina not making the tournament was a big, um, you know, big talking point. Of course, the preseason number one, et cetera. My girlfriend will kill me if I keep bringing this up, but uh there's a little fun fact for you about the last team to lose a national title uh, in 2007 was the Ohio State Buckeyes go down to Florida, uh, and then they come back the following year and won the NIT in 2008. So there's a big, big thing about how UNC lost the title. They don't, uh, they don't make the tournament the next year. Same thing was true with the Buckeyes 07-08, but they went and won that title. Uh, and then UNC, of course, declines the NIT bid this year. I just thought that was a bad PR look. Uh, to not to not go out and finish on a strong note, they didn't have the same injury concern, uh, it, you know, with guys getting beat up and all of that. So, my two cents right there. Uh, we can move along. Um, hey, so that, those not- teams though that those teams though that have success in the NIT, it's it's. I mean, it's again, you're still you're still playing for something, um, especially yeah. with some of those mid major teams that are going into it that are in a one big league. You could be playing a conference champion um, in the NIT that just didn't win their conference tournament. So. Um, you know, I don't have the history behind it, but teams that are winning the NIT are probably in good shape for the following year. So um, it's a good experience for those guys. And I think, you know, being at a high major for so long, and of course, you know, we, we all went to Ohio State, the expectation is the NCAA tournament, but, um, you know, the NIT is no joke. 
And then I've got some facts to back up exactly what you said. Last five winners of the NIT, TCU, Penn State, Texas, Memphis, Xavier, all five of them in, in the dance this year. There you go. How about that, Zadge? How about that? So, John, do you fill out a bracket? Um, is that some? I mean, you probably have in the past, but now that you're, you know, working for a specific team, do you fill out a bracket this year? Yeah, this is funny. You guys are gonna laugh at me because, of course, I'm I'm on, you know, because it's March and we we wanted to talk about the bracket. I have yet to look at the bracket from top to bottom. I just didn't even allow myself to check it out. What I did look at was who was playing in Columbus. Um, I know we're hosting a, a first and second round, so. I saw that uh, Purdue is here and Michigan State's here. So I knew that we had some some Big Ten guys headed our way. But beyond that, I, I haven't looked at it. I, I think when we start playing games, obviously, um, in the next couple of days, uh, I'll check it out a little bit more. But I, I used to fill out a bracket as a kid. I think my brother and I would do the, the printable version, and we'd fill it out once and probably never look at it again as the, the weeks went on. It was, it was short-lived. But um, I think in high school, I definitely did the, the ESPN tournament challenge deals and, and tried to follow it. But um, now, no, you know, obviously as a, having made the, the NCAA tournament, I want to say it's four times, four of my seven years at Ohio State, um, you know, in those one, four the years. One year was canceled. Yeah. Well, yeah. So the, the year was canceled. I was actually gone with the Browns. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. So, so the 200 thad, we didn't make it. And then this year under Holt. So my, my junior and senior year, we made it. And my, my last two years here, we did, but you know, when you're in that when you're in that position, you're literally like the, your name gets called and you are in the film room. Like you are trying to prepare for not only your current opponent, but whoever you could potentially have next. You're reaching out to anybody you maybe know across the country to get scouting reports and any extra bit of intel. And then you're going home late that night to then pack the next morning to potentially leave for your first game. Uh, who knows where around the country. Um, so it's a different feeling. You know, when you're when you're in it, you're only worried about who's around you. Um, and now I guess now that I'm not in it this year, I, I just don't really, I don't really want to look at it. <laughs> totally fair. Totally fair. Um, James is, James is the opposite. He's been staring at it. I've been staring at it, beating my head into the wall, trying to determine what, you know, I technically the last two years I have gotten the champion. Correct. I did go Baylor and then I went Kansas and now I feel in an innate pressure within myself to go for the three Pete. Uh, and I have been toying with it for, you know, actually several weeks before we got to this point. Um, but let's let's start with what you mentioned there, John. A couple of Big Ten teams coming to Columbus, and two of them, the, you know, Michigan State and Purdue, you got to see both of them in the last week or so. Um, let's start with that Michigan State-USC game. Uh, it's a 7 versus 10 matchup. Uh, you know, Tom Izzo, Mr. March, as some have coined him, uh, they, they think he's got this this – ability to elevate his team when it matters the most. And and you guys silenced them. Uh, AJ Hogard at their point guard spot. He's a tough guy to game plan against. They've got Sissoko and a veteran presence in Joey Hauser. Uh, it's hard to look past kind of the experience level for some of those guys. Uh, but I, I feel like I'm not that intrigued by USC. I, I, I feel like uh, Michigan State's a team that will elevate to that level, but you guys silenced them. What, what was kind of working in that matchup of sorts? Yeah, I think we caught them, you know, at the right time. Um, you know, we we didn't catch them at the right time at their place on senior night. That's for sure. Right. Oh, a yeah. A couple of days before. Um, but, you know, we were playing well, playing with, with some energy and some pop. Um, we played on that court the two nights before, too. Um, you know, so you're, you're catching a team that hadn't played since they last played us. Uh, but, yeah, Michigan State, 
um, you know, powerhouse there for sure. Guys who are experienced, you know, you, you didn't even mention Malik Hall and Tyson Walker, and, and maybe maybe you did and I missed him, but no, nope. um, you know, guys who have been seasoned, just seasoned college basketball players, right? And there's some versatility there. So, um, you know, if one guy's not having their night, they've got another guy right behind them. So, uh, you know, come March, you want to be as versatile as possible and, and dynamic, and they definitely have that. I think again, you know, we caught them. We caught him on an off night. Um, Coach Izzo is going to have those guys ready to roll, and, and we'll be rooting for him too. I know Coach Izzo and Coach Holt have a good relationship. And at the end of the day, I think you read up, you root for the teams that you know you beat up, and they beat up on you during the season. Um, you know, because I think it shows that our league is strong. Uh, but I'm I'm not worried about Michigan State. Good stuff. And then Frank, I mean, you did did you watch the Purdue game? Purdue OSU, Frank? Yeah, I did. Good man. I was on the radio call. I was actually on uh interstate 85 headed down from raleigh to charlotte to cheer on the cavaliers against the hornets uh so i was i had the full radio call i did a half of paul keels on ohio state uh you know with their radio network and then i did a half listen to the national broadcast just to make sure there was no homer is in paul keels best of the best uh on the osu i i thought he was probably more fair than the the national guys were um but Purdue's obviously Zach Eady, uh, Big Ten Player of the Year, tough, tough to really look over. But the more and more I, I've talked to people or, or looked at the bracket, they think that you know Purdue's always that team that makes makes a dent, but not that big of a dent come the bracket. Um, and, and last year they were a team that um, it, it felt like they had unfinished business. They come out, earn that fourth one seed this year. Um, and even there was a, a moment in time where Eugene Brown at six foot seven was guarding Edie in that game. And that's just a size matchup that he's given up what almost eight, eight inches in that matchup. And he did everything he could. He, he had a couple of good possessions against them and all of that, but they're just going to be a problem for anyone that doesn't have depth in, in that front court. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have, they have five stars who are, who are not taking, or I want to say Caleb first is a five star, but they've got some good players who who don't even have a, a massive role on that team, right? Um, you know, Brandon Smith, freshman, Fletcher Lawyer, freshman, Zachy Jr., Mason Gillis. I don't know what year he is, but you know, they have guys who who have just embraced their roles. And in college basketball, we've seen it for you know forever, right? Like those Butler teams, um, you know, those those teams who are maybe less talented when it comes down to the athletic and the athleticism and the measurables, right? But they play the they play the right way. They know who they are. Um, they do their jobs, right? Like, I don't know that there's the time that Mason Gillis doesn't crash the glass and bust open his elbow. Like, that dude is all over the place uh, because that's his role, right? Um, now, it is nice to, to, to when you dribble in the, uh, when you dribble into no man's land, you can throw it behind your head to Mr. 7 4. But, uh, but uh, no, I mean, they're, they're awesome. Purdue, ton of respect for what they do. Um, you know, Coach Painter, we, we had, um, Coach Owens on our staff here, Jack Owens, spent a long time under Coach Painter at Purdue. Um, so we know some of Payne's tricks to his trade, uh, but it's still it's still tough to guard, tough to emulate. Um, I think they've, they've got a chance. I think, again, it's going to be tough when they face athleticism and shooting um, and a team that's that's got somebody who can slow down Zach Eady. You're not going to stop a guy like that. Uh, but, you know, if, if there's somebody that can slow him down and maybe put him in foul trouble, right? Um, the Big Ten is officiated pretty physically, so uh, or, or allows a pretty high level of physicality. So I wonder, um, you know, if the officiating might make an impact if, um, you know, if, if you see some officials that aren't used to officiating Zach. Um, but other than that, Purdue, I don't, I think they've got, I think that they've got a good run in them. James, who do you have coming out of the East? 
Oh, that's such a tough question. I have, I mean, I have like Purdue. That. I have Purdue. John's, John's preaching to the choir here, man. I think, he, no, I he think has Zach Eady is a, is a tough, tough man to cover, and they have plenty of support around him. It's not just about him. They're a complete team. I like them to win their East region over Michigan State in the Elite Eight. That's, that's right now where my bracket is. I'm a Big Ten homer. Wow. Over. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I won't dodge your question entirely, but as it stands right now, I have Kentucky coming out of that region for no good reason because Providence might take them down, uh, you know, before they even make it to the weekend. So uh, that I'm probably more worried about that game than I am um, any I other. Calipari hasn't won a, a tournament game in, I think, three years, four years. See, the, the the thing is that's so widely distributed now. I think he gets the monkey off his back, but that's it makes a run. It makes time. a run to the final four to Houston. Uh, you, you know, oh, wow, that's a bold <laughs> pick. I like it. I like it. You're going on a limb there. Well, I think the one thing that I think Purdue will have no problem against the 16 seed, that eight, nine matchup between Memphis, Florida, Atlanta, Memphis, them. Memphis can give Purdue some problems. Well, Memphis just beat Houston. You know, they, they took down who was number one in the country. And I, I grew up a Memphis fan. Why? I don't know. I, I don't have a great explanation for that. I still own a hat and a Paxton jacket. Lynch in football. Well, right? No, it was well before that. It was actually, it dates back to their football program with D'Angelo Williams. There and you then, go. Uh, I thought it was football. Douglas Roberts on the, on the basketball court. Okay. Yeah. Him and Derek Rose during that run, my heart broke when they lost to Kansas in 08. Um, but Penny Hardaway's got them playing an, an aggressive form of basketball, and then Florida Atlantic's only lost three games all year. So we're all Florida. sleeping on Duke, too, the way we're talking about the East. Well, that's going to lead us into the next matchup we we cover here is Oral Roberts versus Duke. Uh, all I'm saying with Memphis is they have athletic enough guards that have more experience. Like Kendrick Davis uh, was a longtime player at SMU. He's 24 years old. I think Memphis's other terrific player, DeAndre Williams, is like 25, 26. He's our age. Um, that's that, that type of experience in, in this day and age of college hoops seems to bode well. Uh, and, and when you look at that, the athleticism versus what John was saying is Purdue knows themselves. They play their system really well. Memphis is a team that will try to get out and transition and run, and they will press that Purdue back. I'm speaking as if they're going to beat Florida Atlantic. I don't know that Florida Atlantic, like I said, 31 and three, I think either one of those teams can give them a, a a weird punch because that eight, that eight, nine line right there is I think the toughest out of the four regions. So, all right, enough there out of me, but I think Duke oral Roberts is an interesting one to tackle because John, you've been, at, you were at the program for Ohio state one Max Asmus and the other big guy in that matchup was Kevin O'Banner who's gone and at Texas tech. And you, you ran into him again this year uh, over in Maui, but uh, oral Roberts 30 and four with a record. Um, I, I feel like that matchup is one where you can look back a couple of years ago and OSU took them to overtime. They, they, they were no joke because you saw them go on a run after that game. Um, and so the fact they still have at least Ace Miss, they have a seven foot five kid in Connor Vanover, who is an Arkansas transfer. Uh, they're going to be a tough matchup for Duke, but Duke boasts two seven footers of their own. And John, you saw Duke up front and I saw it very up front. Thanks to you. Uh, when you guys came down to Durham, North Carolina, uh, back in late November. So uh, those two teams, whew, if you if they are both at their peak, I think that has the potential to be one of the better first round games. Yeah, no doubt. I think uh, first of all, credit to Max Aismas for sticking around Oral Roberts, right? In a in an era where you know guys are playing their way out of smaller schools, a kid has stayed home and and won. 
um, and, and taking his team to an NCAA tournament again. So first of all, credit to him. Um, nightmares when you think about Oral Roberts. Um, as you touched on Texas Tech, Kevin O'Banner played those guys earlier this season. Nightmares again. Um, you know, so those that's, uh, that experience in the bubble was crazy. Again, we, we talked about it earlier, playing four games in four days back in the bubble in the Big Ten tournament and then rolling into to Mackey to play Oral Roberts. Um, it just showed, right, um, you know, back in 2021. Uh, but let's let's not talk about the past. That's 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 the tough part. But um, yeah, uh, Oral Roberts definitely with with the continuity of, of having Ace Smith and, and he's a proven guard. There's there's no doubt that Duke is looking back to um, our our matchup with Oral Roberts. Um, what was it two seasons ago? Uh, and, and pointing to that as like, hey, these guys are capable, and they they've got a dude who who you know captain the shit captain the ship and did it before. Um, Duke, to your point. That was, uh, you know, feels like a year ago that we played those guys. But, um, you know, an experienced team for how young they are, right? Roach is an older guy. Ryan Young, the Northwestern transfer, an older guy. Lively, a young guy, but a, a, a massive presence in the paint there. Um, Filipowski, you know, probably a, a top draft pick this year, um, finding his own. And what they were one game and one tough call away from winning the ACC or a share of the ACC regular season title. So, yep. um Agree. That'll be a tough game, but but if Duke's rolling, they're they're going to be tough to get in front of. That's for sure. And I think Duke got a little underseeded because they're coming out of that. They finished the year ranked twelfth in the AP top twenty-five. So if you think, oh, the you know one through four would be one seeds and and so on. If Duke's ranked twelfth, you'd think, oh, they'd be the last three seed. No, they're a five seed. So I think Oral Roberts is probably a little upset at thirty and four. They get slated against uh, a very strong five. I, I think they have a legitimate gripe there. Um, but I'm curious to see what happens because Duke rolling the way they are is, is pretty scary. And I, I've seen people take them to the final four and rightfully so. Um, so that, that region really catches my eye in that there's, I think legitimately you could make a case for five teams to make the final four out of that region. And um, even more, I mean, Tennessee is not a bad, bad team. They have experienced themselves. Um, the four seed that in the East, the East is tough. So. I think that is the, the toughest region, I think, to get out of, in my opinion, looking at them. Um, but, John, I guess, you know, we've talked about Michigan State and Purdue, but there's six other Big Ten teams in the dance. Any one of those teams, you know, that you've gotten to see up, up close and personal that you think has a real chance to make a run maybe late in the March? Yeah, I mean, tough to tough to pinpoint just one, but I think something that comes to mind when think about the Big Ten is, is how did Rutgers not end up in the tournament? I guess it was – some strength to schedule stuff and they lost some games when they, when they were, I mean, yeah, they were good enough to make a deep run. I think yeah, definitely a good enough and old enough team to make it. So um, obviously disappointed for those guys to, you know, think that they deserve it, but trying to look at some of the other teams, um, you know, Penn state is another older group with Jalen Pickett, um, you know, in Shrewsbury, an NBA style head coach, right. Coming from the Celtics and he had a, a long time at Purdue before that, but um, you know, their ability to create switches in the matchups that they want, make Penn State a tough matchup and, and you know, how hard those guys play. Um, you try to think Northwestern, same deal, right? Um, you know, Northwestern is a team that lost two guys to blue blood programs, right? They lost Pete Nance to UNC and they lost Ryan Young to Duke. And then, boom, they go out there and, you know, and and make a run in the Big Ten and, and make the NCAA tournament. So, um, tough to pinpoint just one team. I mean, shoot, Iowa, the pace which with, with the pace with which they play, um, and the you know the high powered offense that they can be when they're rolling. 
um, you know, they're going to be tough to stop too. And shoot it. Trace Jackson, Davis, Trace Jackson Davis of Indiana too. Like how, how do we not talk about those guys? I have, yeah. Um, I have Indiana, my final four. I was going to have to get by Houston though. in the first weekend, it's going to be tough. Well, That'd be there. A lot of those, a lot of those teams you named John are either in that. I know you haven't looked at the bracket up and down, but they're in that seven, 10 matchup or that eight, nine matchup. And I feel as though in years past, the big 10 has this, uh, the storyline of, oh, they beat each other up so much in the conference tournament, the committee rewards them appropriately. Like eight 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 uh, bid teams is the most in, in college hoops. The SEC, I believe, ties it with eight. Um, and then it kind of dwindles from there. But, man, I, I feel as though there's there's an opportunity for the conference to speak for itself this year and, uh, and, and kind of write the narrative, rewrite the narrative a little bit that the last couple of years hasn't been the case. Uh, but Penn State, I think, especially that you mentioned there in that matchup against Texas A&M, some people are saying, oh, Texas A&M underseeded as a seven. Uh, Penn State might be a little bit, dis- and, and they might not have been in the tournament had they lost their first matchup uh, in the Big Ten tournament as well. There was no, no such thing as a lock, but they went on a little run in Chicago, and they shoot the three ball, uh, you know, probably as good as any team in the country. And Pickett, like you said, He's just a talent to watch. He plays I mean, a unique game. He like backs. He's like a backing into you point guard. Like it's a weird game, but he is really good. He's been they around. Get their the switch. Guys. Yeah, they get their switch mm-hmm. that they want, and then they put him one on one. He's so comfortable playing with his back to the basket, and then you can't leave their shooters. Like you, yeah. you can't. They can put an undersized lineup. And he in can. And, and he can turn and shoot, or he can. He can dish it, or yeah, he can do a for lot sure. of things. For sure, I, I think it'll be but interesting it, too. I think the Big Ten collectively. Um, I alluded this. I alluded to this earlier. Um, but just to see if there's an adjustment in how the game is officiated come postseason, um, you know, just going from beating up on each other in the Big Ten and the physicality that we're used to, um, to playing against some teams from from different leagues with, uh, you want to say more neutral officials. Um, I think it'll be interesting just to see how those teams adjust. What did uh, I think it was Brad Underwood, the coach at Illinois, called it booty ball in his post game press press conference after playing Penn State. He said. Uh, booty ball or whatever. Uh, it's, it's tough to defend. Like we'll see how how Texas A and M defends booty ball. I I think that Penn State's a team that catches my eye a little bit. Um, I, I just looked at my bracket. I have five Big Ten teams in the Elite Eight. So you, I I told you I told you my bias. He is a homer. He is a homer. <laughs> Love it. Illinois, um, Indiana, Maryland, Maryland making a little run out of the South. Who knows. One one more matchup I want to look at that's not Big Ten oriented um, that, John, you got to, to take a look at was San Diego State. I mentioned back in the Maui tournament, that was the first game. And one that I thought, I think the narrative with OSU coming in this year is it was going to be an inexperienced team. It was a lot transfer guys coming in like Ice Likely and McNeil and then a bunch of freshmen and then a couple, couple veteran leaders um, that was going to try and rope it all together. And in that game, although I think, you know, it was like a nine-point loss, something like that. It was closer than that probably final score appeared. Uh, it was back and forth. Yeah, Frank, I mean, that's great uh, great motion right there. It was up and down on the floor. The soft rims in Maui were helping out. Um, and that's a team that gets the College of Charleston, who had a terrific run through the Colonial Conference this year. Uh, San Diego State, I feel like under Brian Dutcher, a couple years back, actually, Frank and I had um, – Yanni, Yanni Wetzel. Yanni Wetzel was a San Diego State guy after he crossed paths with Alex Stump at Vanderbilt. So that was our connection there. And he came in and, and talked all about how Dutcher coaches his team and, and what makes them a, a tough matchup. Uh, so I look back at that matchup early in early in the season that 
shoot, shoot, that San Diego State team's no joke. Yeah, those dudes were older and physical, right? Like that's what sticks with you um, with those guys and, and it had dynamic guards who could make shots. So um, that was a good challenge for us though in Maui because, you know, forced us to bounce back and beat a, a good Cincinnati team and, and then a good uh, Texas Tech team, which obviously they've had a little more disappointing season than anybody really expected. But, um, you know, shoot, looking back at looking back at Maui, again, feels like so long ago. But, uh, you know, we felt really good about ourselves coming out of there two and one. Um, and then enjoying a little vacation time on the island. That wasn't bad. Never never will complain about that one. <laughs> I, you had you had quite a season going. Maui, uh, coming to Cameron Indoor. I take it that was your first time there as well. Yeah. Uh, then playing UNC in the Garden. I got to tag along for two of those trips. I mean, I, I was making my bucket list season as well following that team. But, um, you know, as we look at, I guess, the off season for you now, you, I think you mentioned off the air you, you want to get out there on the golf course a little bit. I know it's, what, low 30s in Columbus this week? It's not exactly conducive to golf weather. Uh, yeah, Frank, I don't know if you looked outside yesterday, but it went from, like, sunshine to snow to sunshine to snow to, yeah, no no golf quite yet. Thir- Thursday looks pretty nice, James. Gets, okay, up, in the, gets up into the mid-50s trying to play after work, maybe. Good man. Good man. <laughs> I took my Friday off for St. Patrick's Day. I'm going to start my day with a little prayer, get to church. That's my Lenten thing is I'm trying to get to church on Friday mornings. And then I'm going to go play a round of 18 and then hopefully finish that up in time to go catch all the action. So I'm going to use my full day of PTO to the fullest extent I can. Um, but, John, I think what my what I was getting at there is, okay, you go through a grueling season, has its ups and downs. You now get a chance to, to one, reminisce a little bit. You get some get some time to unwind, if you will. Uh, what does the offseason look like for you, um, I, I guess, now in this period where transfer portals open, you're, you're getting all this kind of information, uh, and it, the program's probably, you know, you just need a second to take a, take a deep breath. Uh, what does what kind of like the spring, summer look like for you? Yeah, the college basketball environment has entirely changed. Um, our season has ended, you know, before, before we, would have, we would have liked uh, but I think it was officially on Monday, so yesterday, um, that the, the transfer portal officially opened to every transfer, right? A little bit before that was was grad transfer. So I believe, um, excuse me, guys, I, I think that portal is open for 60 days. Um, so in it, the next it, 60 days. I've asked about this, John. Is this an actual, like, website? Like, like yeah, this is yeah. Like, it'd be like a, it, it like looks a, like a, it's like a web app platform and like kids are like posted highlight tapes or like their information, like, like, no. So it's, it's almost like, it's almost like you go to the library and you're like, it's like they're loading in their inventory and you're like, all right, what, you know, what new books did the library get today? And that's, <laughs> that's what it feels like. Right. Like, and it's, it's like, like, it's a, a database. With, yeah. It's an interesting yeah. database website, or it'd be like, you know, one of those research project assignments where you're like, oh, I wonder if anything else is, you know, new today. But, you know, we, we've have guys who sit there as a staff and it's like, you know, you're not allowed to contact anybody until they're in the portal. Right. So if they, yeah, so you're just monitoring the portal, the word portal they, just keeps coming up and I just had yeah. to understand if they, tweet, if they tweet or, you know, there's a report out that so-and-so is going to enter the portal where well, you can't talk to them until they're in the portal. Right. That's mm-hmm. one of the rules. So, uh, you know, and only certain people have access to the actual portal itself. So, uh, yeah, you know, you're just like refreshing it and trying to see who might come across. Like you've got guys from, you know, what's tough is that, you know, you always want to sift like what's important information, right? Uh, you have walk-ons, like low major walk-ons who are in the same portal as, you know, high level, highly rated transfers that scored 18 points a game in their league. 
Um, so just having to sift through that, um, we use some scouting services, I think a little bit, um, you know, you're, you're looking at coaches who have recruited guys in the past, trying to find relationships, trying to find fit. Um, you know, NIL has changed this whole ball game too, right? Um, you know, just, we don't need to get down that rabbit hole, but, um, you know, it, it's changed how kids are recruited and why they go certain places and, and, you know, kind of what packages and, and stuff that, that schools or that they can find in, in certain places. Um, you know, you got to stay by the book there, but, uh, yeah, like what school, I mean, what school is, school is more marketable though. Ohio state's yeah. a pretty marketable school for a student to like have a, a big presence if they're going to be a stud on the basketball team. For sure. So you guys have some advantage there. I mean, I would think over smaller, lesser known schools, which is interesting. Yeah. It's just, it's interesting too. I mean, to your guys' point, like you, you have to shift really right away from, from being in season mode and scouting for an opponent to how can you think big picture about your roster? Um, you know, who, what, what do the openings look like? What do you think you need? Um, and it really has to be addressed like really quickly. Um, there's not a ton of time to sit on your hands because not only do kids go into the portal, but they also commit and they'll sign, like they'll, they'll make their decisions relatively quickly. So, um, you know, think about these teams who are headed into the first weekend of an NCAA tournament, knowing that they're going to graduate, you know, five guys per se. And they're like, Hey, we're going to need two or three transfers. Their staffs are not only preparing for an NCAA tournament in the current season, but they're probably monitoring the transfer portal too. Um, so it's tough. You know, you want to, you know, you want to try to get an edge in, in any way possible. Um, and, you know, you want to try to figure out like what stat lines are transferable, right? Like what's, what's a good fit. You're, you're trying to do, you know, this, this recruiting processes that we're super familiar with, right. With our friends, not, none of us that got recruited, right. But it's all like, of our friends, it's like, it's kind of friends. money. It's like money ball in a way, right? It is. Trying, it is trying to fit. We need, we, we're going to lose this many rebounds, uh, this kind yep. of night, like we're looking. And you're trying to, and you're trying to, you know, pare down the recruiting process to less than a month for most of these kids. Whereas, you know, normally, you know, we think of our friends we grew up with who were recruited at, at a high level, right. Those recruitments take place over two years or, or more. Um, so it's really, you know, trying to get to know somebody, trying to find a fit really fast. You do like zoom calls with these, with some of the kids? They do. Yeah. So they, they do zooms with, with like Cisco WebEx. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> hey, no, you know, whatever platform that recruit wants, you got to play at their level. What, you know, what platform do they I prefer? Think, I think Ohio state uses zoom. So that's. They'll, yeah, but no, you guys are right. Like they'll, they'll share, uh, they'll share slideshows and just try to kind of, you know, sometimes a kid can't get to campus and. Um, there are visit limits, so there are, there's a limit to the number of official visits that you can have. Um, and then it's, you know, it's tough if you got a kid who's across the country, he's not just going to pony up the money to unofficially visit. So it's like, Hey, how can we, how can we figure out if we like each other before we invest too much into each other? Um, so yeah, I mean, there are definitely zoom calls and, and phone <laughs> calls. So that's cool. So any, any plans for travel in the summer, anything, anything in the spring or no, I got nothing right now. I need to, I need to explore, uh, explore getting into some more sunshine that we're going to see in Ohio, even though hopefully that's on the horizon. Uh, I'll try to get around to some baseball. I know you guys are both baseball guys. James probably a little more than Frank, but excited about the guardians this think, summer. And I think James wanted to ask you about that. So that's a perfect, I mean, that's a perfect segue, but no, I'm, not, Frank, I'm just helping you guys out. I'm helping you yeah, guys out. Exactly. No, Frank's Frank's there with his baseball knowledge. Don't, don't count him out too, too much, but yeah, I, I do live and breathe MLB TV. I, I watch, you know, I, I said I watched almost every Ohio State Hoops game. Out of the 162 for the guards, I'll probably watch 140, 150 if I, if I have any say in it. Um, but to that end, I mean, yeah, we talked about your background. You mentioned your Browns internship. I mean, you were a bat boy for back in the Indians days for, you know, however many years you were. And 
dating back to the the World Series in 2016. The your your official page on Ohio State shows it. I mean, you have a full bio. They say, yeah, you helped out the All Star <laughs> game in 2019 too. It's a it's a great track record. Um, so I do know with your time in the organization, you've worked with uh, a lot of the guys that are now making an impact at, at the major league level. So I imagine you got to be just as pumped as anyone uh, for the season to be coming up again. I've got my flight booked to Seattle. I'm going to opening day uh, out there against the Mariners, visiting an old old roommate of ours, Mike Geraci, that lives out there. Um, so I, I do intend to uh, follow this team through the thick and thin as well. I'm, I'm pretty excited for it. So I wanted a quick perspective on, on your end. Um, I'm trying to think, of, at least Gabriel Arias, or Gabriel Arias is a guy that I know um, is kind of, kind of, you know, we saw a glimpse of him at the end of last year, not to call him out only, but he's a guy that I think has a chance to make a real name for himself this season. No doubt. He was one of those big Padres acquisitions in the, what it felt like we did three trades with those guys yeah. for, uh, for Clevenger. And I'm going to forget some of the other names, but um, they call him Gabe. So Gabe uh, hopefully will, will make an impact this year. He, uh, he had a hot spring last year, started the triple A season off really well last year and then broke his hand. So hopefully there are no uh, sneaky injuries for, for Gabe and he can make an impact. It's just tough, man. You've got uh you got a silver slugger at third base too, which is probably Arias's, you know, best position. So it'll be interesting to see where they can fit him on the field. I know he paid, he played a little outfield um, in the minor leagues last year and he's got a bazooka for an arm, the guys call it. So, um, you know, maybe it's uh maybe it's a corner outfield spot or, or who knows, but uh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm happy that they made some off season moves too with, with Josh Bell and kind of adding to the young core that they have. I think it'll be a, an awesome challenge too, to see if, Stephen Kwan can keep up with uh, the tear that he went on all of last year. And, you know, the Oscar Gonzalez's, you know, can they make the adjustments and, and kind of stick as, as full-time major league guys? It'll be exciting. Love it. Yeah. I'm not going to say, are you calling for the AL central division? But I, in my head, I think anything le- less than that last year, there weren't the expectations necessarily because it, they knew it was going to be a hodgepodge group and you know, they didn't make any big off season splashes this year. It's kind of Josh Bell. And then, not too much beyond that, but uh, I, I think at this point that they're seen as uh, almost a co-favorite with, say, the White Sox and all of that. So I'm excited to watch it play out. And the one thing you said there about the injury injury bug, they, they avoided that last year. So fingers crossed. I mean, if they do come into contact with that, that will test their depth of sorts. Um, but, yeah, hopefully you're able to make it back up to Cleveland. I know being in Columbus during the offseason, you can make your way up I-71 and, and catch a couple games uh, over the course of the season. So. Uh, to that note, I, I'm pumped. You're pumped. Frank also pumped. I can see it on his face over there. Uh, What's what are you setting the over under wins at, Sadger? What's it at? Now, let's no need to even dive down that road. Um, I'm I. What, are, what we're are taking they, the over. Tito's an over well, guy. Yeah, yeah, of course. But I I, I see them getting 90 wins, no problem. Right, but right. that's that's yeah. my my personal. I'm calling my shot right there. 90 I love the uh, central. I'd love to put ourselves in a situation where we can use our, our depth in our minor leagues to go make some moves come trade deadline. I think if we're in a situation to to make a push and make the right moves, I think uh I think I like where we're at. One more one more starter wouldn't kill us. So I, I think yep. that's where my eyes are at. John couldn't agree more. We have a load of depth in the middle infield. Um you don't want to disrupt the team chemistry and trade anyone that's a regular contributor, but um some of those unproven guys we'll see. I know the forty man's been in a crunch. They got rid of Owen Miller. We could we could do a whole separate interview on just the Guardians, um, but want to respect your time here. I think we've 
sometimes these conversations take on a life of their own and and that's a good thing uh, it means uh we're enjoying having the, the chat with you and vice versa i think frank has one final question uh before we let you go for the evening yeah, well, it sounds like you guys are both investing in the Guardians this year. John's investing in his time in the portal in the coming months. Uh, but John, what else are you investing in? You know, we're not just a we're not just a sports podcast; we're a finance podcast too. But this does not have to be financial. What are you investing in these days? Yeah, I, James gave me the heads up for this question. I, I know maybe he shouldn't have. Maybe this is Frank's sneaky question. But no, no, I did no. get I did get the heads up. Uh, my initial response is going to be whatever you're investing in, invest early, right? Start early, start young. Um, but no, I mean, I, I've uh, I've been lucky enough to 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 work for the Guardians when I was younger to be able to put money away soon. So um, you know, that's the and that's the advice that I always try to give younger people. You know, younger people than my age. I'm not as well versed in exactly what I should be putting my money in. Um, I did I did study finance in undergrad, but I have not been uh, exactly using that degree. So I always tell people, hey, start early and let uh, let that compound interest. Index early. funds, index funds. What are we what are we putting the money into? That's what I've, I got. A, I've got a Roth IRA. I've got it. You know, trying to be diversified there, and then uh, being a state employee with with Opers and Ohio State. So you know, there's some options in that. Uh, so yeah, just you know, letting other people play with my money, but trying to keep an eye on it. You know. Respect. No, we we often say we are not by any stretch of the imagination authorized to give financial advice. Frank, a little bit closer, I guess, working in the venture capital realm, but um, crazy no, times, crazy times, Edge. Crazy time, crazy times is right. Right. Um, if you if you've got a house next to you or something that needs that needs purchased at a decent rate and a decent price, give me a call. But maybe that's my next investment. Maybe that's what I need. Wow. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, I don't, I don't know if indis, interest rates at the moment are conducive to that, but at the same time, if Frank can get that good rate, uh, I don't know. Well, don't know if you want to trust him in the real estate spectrum or not. Um, but I, I would, I would. I'm kidding. All right. So on that note, John, thank you so much for your time. You gave us uh, plenty more than we even asked for. So uh, appreciate your willingness to join us. A lot of fun catching up. Uh, hopefully, you do get out on the golf course once we see that temperature start to creep back up for you. Uh, hopefully, yeah, you get John, to we're playing together, around. John. 18 at Scarlet. I'm coming for God ball. We're coming for God ball. <laughs> yeah, we'll get a couple of videos for sure. That's awesome. Appreciate Thanks, it, John. Yeah, this, was fun. this was fun catching up, man. Thanks. Well, that was great fun, and we are really appreciated and want to thank John McCausland for his time. It was great talking to him about the Buckeyes, Zadge. But we want to dive a little bit more into March Madness ourselves, talk through maybe some some key first round matchups this weekend's edge maybe some Cinderella teams we think making it through the weekend and then obviously the final four and championship picks so so let's start with you what are some some first round matchups maybe we didn't go over earlier that you want to touch on well one that we didn't we we broached Indiana a little bit um with Trey Shacks and Davis that was John's comment there they get Kent State and I think that's one where Kent State at 28 and 6 MAC champion a lot of people are thinking upset uh, Indiana faltered to Penn State in the Big Ten semis. A lot of people look at that recency bias and probably are thinking the flashes can do it. Uh, and and I think the real answer to that is they can, but will they? Is the is the uh, moniker I would ask there? That's one of those thirteen fours, and I, I feel like the thirteen doesn't upset the four too too much. But to that end, uh, I I am high on the Hoosiers. You're high on the Hoosiers. Um, Sincere Carey being the the key guard there for Kent State won the MAC Player of the Year the year before I think. Um, they're a tricky matchup, but after that, uh, you get, you're in Houston's region, which makes it tricky. 
Houston and Bama, I just I can't get over. I I've never been a huge chalk guy, uh, unless I was really convinced or really convicted that they were going to win it all. Uh, so I, I think that's what tends me to be different there. Indiana, Kent State. Any thoughts from you? Uh, I, I know. I have I have Indiana making a run. I think they're an experienced team. I think Trace Jackson Davis is a, is a top three, top five player in the country, and and those are the guys you want, especially as a big. Um, come late March. So I, I think, I think they'll take care of business, but you never know. I mean, it's, it's really comes down to who's hitting the shots when, when the game's on, when the, when the game's, when the game's going. Another first round matchup though, I like Zatch, Iowa, Auburn, the eight, nine out of the Midwest. Uh, we got two fired up coaches, Fran McCaffrey and Bruce Pearl going at it in, in a matchup where both teams really, really could give Houston a game. Uh, whoever comes out of that's going to be feeling pretty good about themselves. So I, I, I think that's going to be an interesting first-round matchup that, that could then maybe upset Houston, whoever wins. That's a really good call-out because I think that the way I feel about it is Marcus Sasser, one of their premier guards, missed the AAC championship game where they lost to Memphis, and I think he's such a huge part of what they do. I mean, I know they got Jamal Shad and, and uh, a number of other guys that make an impact, but I feel as if they get past that 8-9 game, I do oh, – man, it's going to be tough for – if, if it is Indiana um, to face off with them, I, I could see Houston in the final four. I, I'm not as high on, on Xavier as a three seed in that region or um, Texas. You know, maybe. Yeah. Texas is a, a Texas is Texas can play really well. They could beat anyone any given day. So, but do they have the letdown game is, is the question. Yep. Um, one more match I wanted to ask you about, cause I know we differ on it is Creighton NC state the six versus 11 in the South. Um, you you see the Wolfpack make. I mean, I mean, you you live a stone's throw away from from NC State University, and, and yes. you're taking Creighton. You're taking the Blue Jays. Come on, I got NC State in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, oof, that's a bad look. But luckily, uh, you know, I don't think I have, I have too many friends that are gonna uh, crucify me for that one. Um, <laughs> we'll see. I I do see like Greg McDermott's just got. I mean, Creighton's one of those teams that has Final Four potential. You that was talked about all year coming into it. Ryan Kalkbrenner, the the big man, him versus DJ Burns is going to be a great matchup inside the arc. Um, Burns has a little bit of that step back game where he can he can space you out a little bit and shoot the ball, but he is a tank. Uh, and Turquavion Smith is so agile, such a good just scorer in every sense of the word. Um, but then you got Baylor Shireman on the other side that has never seen the shot he doesn't like. I mean, that guy will he'll take you from the parking lot, and uh, I think that's a game that. I've got circled on the calendar for Friday that I will be glued to the TV. That's appointment television, that matchup, six months <laughs> old, knowing the ceilings that they both possess. And I, they, I mean, I think the game that's right next to them, Baylor, UC, Santa Barbara, that's probably my favorite upset on the card. That's my lowest seat. I think I have advancing um, through, through the first round is UC, Santa Barbara. Uh, Baylor's just been sh- shaky all year. I know that's, a, that's probably a popular upset pick, but. Yeah, no, it could be. I think that's a good time. We'll, and I, I actually also have uh, the Gauchos taking down the Baylor Bears. Uh, Scott Drew and company just not coming in in great form, uh, dropping um, not early in the Big 12 tournament, but not they didn't make exactly a great run there. They, they just have some injury concerns. A couple of guys like Adam Flagler still a holdover from their title team two years ago. Um, but then Keontae George is a big part of what they do. He's He's been iffy with his status and – uh, a number of other guys. So I, I also agree with you on the Gauchos. But any other Cinderella's that you could see, uh, you know, winning a game, maybe two even to that end, 
Um, I, I know for myself, I'll, I'll just go ahead and, and speak it out there. I, I said I was high on Oral Roberts, um, talking with John over there. So I could see them. I, I My East region is, I said I have Kentucky going there. I've got Memphis taking down Purdue as well, going to the Sweet 16. Um, and then it's Memphis versus uh, Oral Roberts, the way I have it lined up, which, boy, if I get that game, I'll be uh, happier than a pig in shit. But yeah, uh, I, yeah, I have neither of those teams out of the first round. So this is this is <laughs> this is what's so fun about March. Is I mean, it's it's a crapshoot. Really, any team can get hot, and James and I clearly are going off our own emotions. Yep, you got that right. <laughs> All right, um, I have the only other really low seed I have in the Sweet Sixteen is Charleston. Who you guys talked about San Diego State earlier, but Charleston, what is their what is their? I think they're like thirty and three themselves, or thirty something. and four, yeah. 30 and four. So plenty of wins. It's probably going to be a shootout with San Diego state, but I have a couple upsets there and then, and then Charleston making a run to the, to the sweet 16. A little. I Cinderella. screwed that up. They're, they're 31 and three. My apologies. I can't. Oh, them. yeah. Even go. better than I, even better than I said. There so, you go. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty impressive record for a 12 seed. I like, I like betting on that. All right. Um, I think that's, I mean, I don't have any other huge guy. I, I, I have VCU. I have VCU. Do you over St. Mary's? Wow. Over St. Mary's, over UConn, making a little run. I think St. Mary's is getting overlooked just because of the way they finished against Gonzaga. They are a good team, especially defensively. Gonzaga's Um, Gonzaga's my my horse. They're I I, we haven't talked about them yet. Drew Timmy's back. The stash is back. Um, They have not gotten it done as you know the favorite the past couple years, but I have I have Gonzaga Bulldogs winning it all, Zach. So that's. We've probably heard my final four scattered throughout, but Gonzaga is the team that that makes it all the way. Who do you have in the final four? So this is not not a Cinderella pick, but this is the one game that if we don't get it, I think we've been cursed as a basketball fan base. It should be Gonzaga, the three seed, taking on UCLA, the two seed in the Sweet 16. And that's my champion as UCLA, the two seed. Um, So I, you know, we're we're on board that one of those two teams is going to make a run. But, man, if we don't get that, if one of those two teams drops early uh, and they don't come out in good form, I would be very surprised because um, Gonzaga is running in uh, the head of steam, the way they kind of finished the WCC tournament. Again, they only play two games in that with their double bye. But um, I feel like this is the Gonzaga team that is slipping under the radar. They're not a one seed, not two seed, but a three um, that has played some pretty good teams and battle-tested early in the year. Uh, UCLA and my my pick – they just lose Jalen Clark, the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. Man, that hurts. Uh, Adem Bona is a freshman big man that is a huge part of what they do. They were missing him against Arizona in the Pac-12 title, um, but they've played Arizona three times now. They've had two close losses to him, and then they they beat them by about 10 points on their senior night at the Pauley Pavilion. Um, so I've got – I love those two three seeds. Some I've heard some people calling for the Kansas repeat. I don't know if I see it with Bill Self. Um, he'll be coming back from his health issues. Um, but I've got UCLA. I said I've got Kentucky. I think I have Arizona. I, I think I do have Arizona coming out of the I, South. I do as well. You do? Wow, okay. And then, uh, yeah, I was I was really taking, I guess, the winner of that Houston-Indiana game to go to the Midwest, to Midwest Final Four. And I, I think it's going to be Houston. So I do have... I have, I have it. I have it flipped. I have Indiana. There you go. Okay. We're we're similar in a few spots. Couple. The Purdue bracket. The Purdue bracket. 
that that's uh, don't talk don't talk to me about the east region i am kentucky, not an expert there kentucky interesting got my heart being pulled a couple different directions so be it um but no i'm i'm pumped up for the the madness to begin uh we're only a couple days away as, as you're what's, listening to this what's, what's your winning up. score in the final uh <laughs> 7367 ucla uh, takes it home okay ucla i have them facing arizona again um yeah i have, I have gonzaga arizona gonzaga 84 76 wow all right that's a higher scoring game gonzaga does like to push it a little more um yeah i don't know the more i look at my bracket the more i get sick to myself but uh i'm, I'm gonna, i don't think i'm tinkering with it anymore i think i'm leaving it be i realized i accidentally had kansas losing first round so i have to fix that but okay i, I don't have them i don't have them making a long run but I okay have to adapt with all due respect to the howard bison um i don't know <laughs> i don't know if they're gonna be the Il- second illinois is making the run there to the elite eight Illinois, wow! They're gonna take Kansas on round two. Your Big Ten homer faces is <laughs> showing with flying colors. All right, all right. Yeah, what what do we want to talk about next to leave the people with? I mean, there's there's been some chaos in in the financial markets a little bit this past week, um, particularly Silicon Valley Bank. A little bit of a bank run on a couple different regional banks. Silicon Valley, obviously, associated with venture capital. Silicon Valley uh, startups. Um, and so they they basically just got caught offside, Zadge, on interest rates. And we're making a quick pivot from the NCAA to this, but they got caught offside with the Fed raising interest rates and rates just rising across across the board. And they bought basically the top of bonds when interest rates were really low um, back in 2021. And they just got caught offside and had to sell. And then some some venture capitalists told them to told some of their um, firms to pull out their money. And it just led to a bank run. And now the, the federal government basically stepped in as and ensured basically everyone that the depositors of the bank will be made whole, which was done over the weekend. Like this was pretty chaotic and uh, stabilized the market a bit. But a few regional banks, just stocks got destroyed on, on Monday's edge. Key Bank, uh, one near and dear to us Ohioans, uh, down, I think, 30 percent on Monday. So pretty chaotic. I don't know if you have any any take on it. I mean, th- that screams on sale price to me. Good time to buy potentially if you want to dip dip your toes in the yeah, financial it's services a, sector. It's really interesting. I mean, the, the bigger thing is now what's the Fed going to do? Um, the CPI rate, the CPI just came out today too, and it was it was in consensus uh, 6% year over year. So it's still well above the Fed's 2% target, but it is, it is slowing down still um, and kind of coming back. But now with this kind of bank, you know, stress test, a little bit of something breaking in the system. Does the Fed decide to, to you know, not raise rates later in March here? Do they decide to raise 25 bips, 50 bips? James, what do, what do you think there? So, I mean, I, as I've done my research on the situation, I'm not as plugged in. I, I do have my Wall Street Journal subscription, just like the next Bozo that thinks he does a thing or two. Um, but they're, they were, what, the 16th largest lender in the U.S. Um, and a number of uh, technology companies were, were had insure or basically had balances of over that 250k uh, insured limit that the FDIC promises no matter what you'll be reimbursed. So basically, what the U, what you know the administration did was said, okay, we'll make anyone whole that was um, deposited beyond that. And, and I think some people are obviously anyone that had their money with them is thrilled. Uh, other people have their choice thoughts that why is this mid-sized bank 
um, getting bailed out once again when uh, a lot of other, I guess, sectors, not necessarily financial services, don't necessarily see the same type of stuff. So uh, be be your opinion what it may. Um, I think, yeah, the, the Fed's next step will tell us a lot. Yeah, I mean, the shareholders and the and the debt holders of Silicon Valley banks, like stock or of their of their basically of their business, aren't made whole. But basically, just the people that are or the companies that are banking these venture back, most of them venture back yes. startups. Um, some of them public companies, honestly, had a lot of banking relationships that were probably formerly venture backed. I mean, I work in the industry. We had a, a few companies in our portfolio that were directly impacted, and and they were talking about you know not just our companies, but different companies talking about not being able to make payroll this week and having to furlough employees. So it was going to be a big impact on the economy if, if the government or the Fed really didn't step in, the FDIC didn't step in. So I think it was the right move, but there's there's certainly a lot to come. And, it, and it's just going to be, yeah, I think it, it comes down to what's the, the Fed going to do this month. And the markets have responded, I think, decently. They, I thought they would maybe sell off a little bit more. I think the NASDAQ has actually been up on the week. Obviously, bank, some bank stocks have been some hit pretty hard, as we said. But the rest of the market's kind of booing. Or, I don't know how to pronounce that word, honestly, but but hanging out right now. Yeah, that's fair enough. So I, I think overall, when you speak of the, the total economy hit, yeah, th this was actually a fairly significant risk to, like you said, some of the companies that were banking with them and all of that. So the you know, I'm not going to step in and say, oh, I'm pro-government. Great Yeah, job. it's just interesting. Really what precedent does it set, too? Yep. No, interesting food for thought. And you're entitled to your opinion. I'm entitled to mine. And Bitcoin's been rallying on the, on the news. Oh, wow. How about like, that? Like a $5,000 rally. It's somewhere in the 24000 range. Um, it was down near twenty um last week this time. So so it's it's just interesting how everything's, you know, interplaying with, <laughs> with the, the global macro. And I think something happened today. I think a Russian, a Russian pilot or something shot down a, a U.S. UAV over over in um, Eastern Europe or something. So that 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 shocked markets in the afternoon today on Tuesday's edge. Oh wow, sheesh! That that I missed that one. So there's there's the, the yeah there's so there's a whole another geopolitical theater that we aren't even talking about. We're just talking about kind of some some liquidity and in, in interest rates right now with the Fed. How about that? But I, I think it's interesting what you mentioned there about Bitcoin. People opting for the decentralized. They think, oh wow, the bank bank going down shows there's more more to that. The crypto rally, which that cry from, you know, I guess the last two years or so has dipped down a little bit. Um, but no, interesting to see that that gets a little perk up in a scenario like this. Yeah, so. and it, it could just be coincidence. Um, Signature Bank was one of the other banks that got taken over this past weekend by the, oh, the, yeah, gov yeah. the government. And they were a heavily crypto um, kind of concentration of deposits of customers deposit or like depositing and using their banking rails for crypto, which is interesting in itself. So, yeah. Okay. Not about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's really my take on the market. I'm still, I'm still buying steady, steady long-term. I think, I think five years from now, it, it'll still look like a good buying opportunity where we're at in prices today. All right. Sounds good. I think, they're, I think they're reasonable, Zach. That's my, that's my non-financial advice. Well stated. Nope. Disclaimer, we cannot provide it, but at the same <laughs> time, that's, there it is. All right. So let's put this thing on a wrap, keep it under an hour for our listeners. They've got a bracket to make their final tweaks too, as they listen before um, the, the dance starts on Thursday. Um, as far as song of the week, I did just go to a concert yesterday on Monday. Uh, Greta Van Fleet was in town. 
Um, it was crazy for me to think, wow, these guys are my age, a little younger, rocking the heck out on this stage. Um, and that's very similar to March Madness. These we're get, guys are we're getting old. Yeah, we're getting old. We're getting old. These guys, I mean, there's a couple, couple of dudes that are going to be 24, 25 uh, out on that court uh, for the big dance. But um, Greta Van Fleet was fantastic. And then, of course, I can't give them song of the week. Song of the week. It has to go to one shining moment. I mean, we'll do, of course, an episode towards uh, towards if not after March Madness. Maybe it'll be right before the Final Four. I don't know. We'll we'll see what we got going on in our lives. We're busy people, but yeah, you know, we'll provide for the pay to players out we're there. We're not going to commit anything to you guys. All right, we put a lot That's of effort right. into this. Yeah, <laughs> that we do. Um, so to that note, if you haven't joined our bracket group, ten dollar entry, Venmo it my way. All of that detail and information will be out on social media, Instagram. I think Frank put it in the link tree there and on Twitter as well. So if not, you know how to get a hold of us. Appreciate you and your listenership. Um, and best of luck to you in this March. Um, you know, you, you hear about March Madness. We've, I think we've termed it March Sadness, March Gladness, all that above. We hope it's, we hope it's more the gladness for you uh, as you progress throughout the rest of this month. Uh, and happy St. Patrick's Day as well, Frank. I hope hopefully you'll be having your corned beef um, as it's a Friday in Lent, but the bishop uh, did give uh, dispensation. You are allowed to eat meat should you want. To. Do you do you do you do a different day for no meat then? That's you're supposed to. He said you know do a little something, do a little almsgiving or fasting on a different day, make up for that. So yeah, oh, I think man. I'm picking tomorrow. I think I'm picking Wednesday the fifteenth. I, sh- I might have to do tomorrow too. That's a good idea. Um, I just want to thank John McCausland again for his time. It was a great interview with him. Uh, Sag, thank you for 95 episodes, man. We're getting close to our, our goal of a hundred folks. Uh, and yeah, everyone, have a, up have, yeah, everyone have a happy St. Patrick's day and yeah, just God bless. Have a good one.